For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's a Tuesday night, and um, if I can, I'd like to say a few words um, to continue some some Burnham series, which is being sponsored by our good friends, Mishpacha Stefanski. Um, I don't intend to go long tonight, and maybe you can hear I'm a little schwach, but uh, i like to sort of say a few uh, uh, closing words on what I talked about last time, which was the Rambam and his uh, particular shita on the summum bonum <clears throat> and the problems he had because people misunderstood him. And I'm referring specifically to the fact that there are three separate items, and the Rambam is very careful talking about the future, onish, things like that, to distinguish between all three items, A, B, and C. A would be Yemosa Mashiach, B would be the Tchiesa um, and C would be the Olam Haba. Now, many mixed them up according to the Rambam and to confuse them. And as I mentioned last time, the Lecha Mishnah and others say that other Rishonim Taka disagree with the Rambam and they say, we're not mixing them up, we're not confused, you're confused, you're wrong. But the Rambam held his own opinion, um, coming from a philosophical as well as other point of view. But the, uh, And the point I want to talk about tonight is the fact that the Rambam was accused of not really believing in the Tchiyas HaMesim because he didn't talk about it much, <clears throat> which led his uh, left-wing followers and therefore his right-wing enemies, again, his left-wing followers and therefore his right-wing enemies, <clears throat> to mischaracterize what he held and to say that the Rambam doesn't really believe in physical resurrection. He just threw it out there, you know, for the frummies, but Lalo Sphere This was the uh, accusations made by him, and he uh, strongly rejected it. On the other hand, not strong enough for his uh, for his critics. It's a famous episode, a confusing episode, in any thorough biography of Maimonides. And uh, the Gareth Schizomaze is kind of long. I just want to point out that the Rambam also wrote, among other things, the Geras Taman, the letter to Yemen, which is fascinating, much earlier in his life. And there he talks more about Yemosa Mashiach, but that's because the Jews in Yemen were uh, sort of expecting a Messiah to come. They had like a certain, let's call it a Shabtai Tzvi type episode in Yemen in his time. And therefore, in order to fight against that and clarify matters, the Rambam uh, composed this letter to them, the Geras Tehmet, letter to the Jews in Yemen, in which he was Mavarer more, the way he understood the uh, Messianic era would unfold in Mashiach time. And he said that you got to watch out for false messiahs. And he himself says that when he was in Spain, he remembers there was a false messiah who said, some, I mean, I'm going by memory here, 
who said the Mashiach is going to come in this, this time. And as a matter of fact, the Almohad showed up and crushed Judaism. So whoever made the prediction was not only wrong, but he was like super wrong. So not only was not a prophet, he was the opposite of prophet. He's an idiot. An idiot. And in Judaism, we've certainly suffered our share of false messiahs. Um, and others who mischaracterize as the Rambam understands it, the Yemosa Mashiach. But in terms of the Summum Bonum, it's not Nugea because the Yemosa Mashiach is only a means to an end. In the Rambam's opinion, I talked about this. And you can read about this at the end of the Mishnah Torah, where he says the whole purpose of the Yemosa Mashiach is to give people the the time and the ease, the economic prosperity to uh, devote themselves to Ruchnius, and which to him means intellectual Ruchnius. Um, that's the problem with the Rambam. If you're not an intellectual, uh, you have no standing. But if you are an intellectual and you pursue metaphysics and try to understand more and more about God, uh, even though you can never totally get there, so in a certain way, you will your soul will survive your death and your physical death. And however it will survive, that will be the Olam Haba. That's the Summum Bonum. But the Yemosa Mashiach is nothing but a means to an end. So um, it almost doesn't matter to the Rambam what the Yemosa Mashiach will be like, as long as it involves... Um, the the kind of peace, security, and prosperity that will allow Jews, intellectual Jews, to pursue their intellectualism and thereby attain a certain level of of uh, knowledge and understanding, and is that knowledge and understanding which will survive them, and will and and will constitute that which enters the state of being called Olam Haba. So it's a little bit complicated, and like I say, it's fairly exclusive. What if you're not intellectual? This is one of the things that the anti-Maimonideans held against him. And they're right, because the Jewish religion has never said that the Schaibonish, the Summum Bonum, is reserved only for the intellectuals. To the Rambam it was, but to most of the Yiddishkeit not. Certainly not Hasidic. Because what do you do with the with the pious, regular Jew or Jewess, who uh, lived a, a saintly life and did the mitzvahs and stuck and chesed. And you tell me because they weren't intellectual, so nothing survives of them, and they don't make it to Olam Haba. But in spite of what I just said, the Rambam does make these kinds of assertions. It's who he was. You know, he was an unusual person. It's who he was. And the Messianic year is therefore means to an end. The question is, What's the story with Tchias Mason with physical resurrection? Now, the problem was and is that if you follow the Maimonidean scheme, and even if you don't, the, the idea of after you're dead, you come back is kind of pointless. Because since the real ultimate star is living in a different realm of existence called Olam Haba, a different nature of existence. And that existence is is infinitely superior 
to anything that you and I can conceive of, because whatever we conceive is rather limited. So what do I need to come back for at Bechlau? Why can't it just be a person lives a righteous life, Rambam style? You live a very from intellectual life, and then you die, and your neshama or whatever is left over of you survives in this new state of being called Olam Haba, Asher Ein Ba'achila Lo Shtiya, Lo Sicha, and Lo Nothing, and you live in a glorious existence of a different nature beyond their comprehension. That's a very good schar, as far as schar Why do I have to come back and spend some time in this world? Even if it means that I'll come back in a resurrected state and it'll be a better world. Because it seems to be that when you come back, it'll be in a better state than than currently. I mean, let me, let me put it this way. You... It wouldn't be a big schar if somebody died in 1800 and then was resurrected in Poland in 1940 in the middle of the Holocaust. That's not doing you any favor. What you mean is, in a world that's a better place. And it never was clear, as far as I know, according to the Rambam or others. Well, I, let me stick to the Rambam. When exactly the Trias HaMesim is supposed to take place? When exactly is it supposed to take place? It is confusing. It's not clear. Is it supposed to be after Yemosa Mashiach, which sort of makes sense? Is it before Yemosa Mashiach? Which is something the way some of the Gonim understood it. Is it somehow or other connected to Olam Haba? Well, that can't be, because Olam Haba is, is a non physical state of being, and physical resurrection. Is, is physical. It's not non-physical, obviously. Uh, is it the shot? One second. Sorry. Is it the shot that, um, again, I'm just making this up to make a point. Let's say the Mashiach came tomorrow in the year 2023. And that becomes the Messianic era. And the Arabs leave Israel and they rebuild the base of Mikdash. And all the Jews move there and everybody lives in a gigantic mansion with air conditioning and 10 Cadillacs and 15 Rolls Royces, fine. So when comes the the Mason? In 2023? In 2024? In 2030? In 2060? It could be anything of that. <clears throat> Maybe the resurrection happens not right away when the Mashiach shows up, but a few years later or a hundred years later no, as Hashem chooses when. Now the problem <clears throat> is that the Rambam, in this letter, he himself quotes the most clear statement of this is in Daniel, where it says, Rabbi Mishani offer Yakitsu, that in the end of the book of Daniel, which has all these futuristic uh, visions and prophecies, if you look at 10, 11, and 12, it's all one long prophecy of the future. It's very weird, but it's when 10 is like a preparation, and 11 and 12 is where you get into these things of the future. To be perfectly honest, in chapter 11, there's a lot of references to wars between the kings of the north and kings of the south, which fit like a glove into the Seleucid Ptolemy Wars of the Hellenistic era, which took place long ago, so who cares? 
But when you get to chapter 12, then you're clearly in new areas. Hasn't happened yet. And basically, World War III breaks out. <laughs> It'll be Ace Charlie Yaakov, Shlohoya Kamoso, Yoslam, something like that. It'll be a terrible time. And what happens then is that uh, the Jewish angel Michael, the archangel Michal, intervenes to save the Kal Yisrael. As Hashem sends a heavenly defender of the Jews. And then the nuclear war is over. And then Rabbi Mishenio And then many, not all, of the dead arise from their graves and are assigned new roles. Some for eternal life, some for not. These are Pesukim in the Bible, in the book of Daniel. So the Ram has to take this all seriously. And Daniel himself, who's seeing all this in a vision, sees himself in the vision asking an angel, what's the shot? And the angel says, what do you care? You go to sleep, knows you'll die. And you wake up, after all the World War Threes are over, and you'll be part of the resurrection. <clears throat> so Daniel himself will be physically resurrected. Because of these statements, which the Rambam says no one took to be figurative. Everyone took to be literal. You see, the Rambam says, when you have statements in the Tanakh, and let's say in Chazal, some say it's literally true and others say not literally true. So then the Rambam says, usually I follow those who say not literally true as long as it's a, it's a day in Chazal. For example, um... I think the dry bones. Some say vicious. Some say it happened. Some say it didn't happen. Literally. In the Gemara, you have different opinions. So the Rambam says, okay, if there's a sheet in Gemara like this and sheet in Gemara like that, these are respectable deists in Chazal. As a rationalist, I'm inclined towards those who say there was a metaphor. But when it comes to something like Daniel, it's pretty clear. Rabbi Mishani offer Yakitsu. That there will be a physical resurrection, the dead will arrive arise from the grave. <clears throat> so you can't for your way around that. Uh, but it doesn't say when it'll happen. It doesn't say will it be immediately after World War Three is over, or will it be some other part of the Messianic era, maybe much later. So, because of the unclarity, the Rambam kind of says. He said, I don't want to go into the exact details of it other than to say it's going to happen. Uh, and here the Rambam says something very interesting. You, my critics, complain that I don't talk about it at length. That I spend much more time talking about uh, the, uh, what do you call it, the, the uh, Olam Habo. And that's true. And here the Rambam, as I understand it, says something very interesting. And that is, I'm, now I'm using my words. This is me talking and trying to explain the Rambam as I understand it. The Rambam said, look, I'm a scientist. I'm a scientist. A scientist is interested in the Welt, in the world. Being that he's a from scientist of the 12th century, 
So science then wasn't what science is today. So the Ramam tries to understand everything as part of the Metsias of physics and metaphysics. So listen closely what I'm about to tell you. Olam Haba is a Metsias. It's part of science. Meaning, God created the physical world and God also created the metaphysical world. That goes to Bresha Barlimus and Shemayimus hearts. The Olam HaRuchnius, whatever it consists of, or if you prefer, the Greek term, the metaphysical world, whatever it consists of, I mean, it doesn't consist of physicality, it doesn't consist of time and space, but nevertheless, it's a reality. This Olam Haba is part of nature to the Rambam. Now, not to a scientist today, but to the Rambam as a scientist a thousand years ago. Okay? It's part of science. May I say the Christians and the Muslim also philosophers thought that way. <clears throat> so, as such, he's fascinated with every aspect of nature that God created. Now, the Rambam was not, in his writings, talking a great deal about the physical world. Um, as a doctor, he wrote about that. But in his Jewish writings, he's very interested in the metaphysical world. And that's why he discusses here in the Marnavuchim elsewhere what the characteristics of existence are in a metaphysical sense in Olam Habo. I mean, what's it like to exist in a situation where there's no time or space or achila, shtia, bia, no physicality whatsoever? And why is that superior? Why is that superior to physical existence? Most average Amaratsim would say a physical existence is a new something. A non-physical existence is inferior to that in terms of its reality. Whereas the Rambam, as a good scientist, a philosopher, will say, Adrabo, that which is existing and not physical is superior to that which is physical because the physical wears away and the non-physical does not. That's the kind of guy the Rambam was. And that is why, he says, he spent more time talking about Olam Haba and things like that, things like that, the metaphysical realities, than he does about Tchiyas HaMesim. Why? Because Tchiyas HaMesim, listen closely, Tchiyas HaMesim, he says, is not part of science. There's nothing scientific. It's actually a violation of science. That someone dies and the goof disintegrates, okay? And... uh, then the goof undisintegrates, you know, reintegrates. The, you know, like in, like in the story of the dry bones, you know, the, 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 the goof comes back to the neshama. That's weird. That's not scientific. It's a violation of science. Now, mind you, it will happen as a nace. You see how it is? It's a nace. Hashem, because the Raman believes it, says Hashem will, when he chooses, make it happen, even though it's reversing the laws of nature. Hashem can do that, obviously. He's a kol yachol. And therefore, if a time comes, we are told by Daniel and others, that Hashem will choose, then Rabbi me, Shani offer yakisu. Then the dead, at least the righteous of the dead, will rise again and live you'll get physical resurrection, but since it is 
a violation of science, because every miracle is like that, right? Well, I shouldn't say that. The Rambam actually has discussions in this Igeris Tres on different types of miracles, some of which operate within nature, and some some of which operate outside of nature. Physical resurrection is operating outside of nature. Doesn't mean it won't happen, but the Rambam says, something that happens against nature and outside of nature, all we can do is be macabalit. We cannot explain it because it doesn't follow the laws of science or nature. It will happen. We're from here, so we believe it'll happen, but it won't happen, you know, in any way that we can understand. It's not like we can touch up, you know, that the molecules of the skin will somehow rather gel together and, you know, give some sort of physics or anatomy uh, kind of, um, you know, explanation of how the dead body will come back and be alive again. If it happens, it just will be a straightforward, straight up the line nace. So I have nothing to say on the subject, the Rambam says. A nace will happen or won't happen. If Hashem says, or a Navi like Daniel or somebody like that says, this nace will happen, okay. In other words, when Daniel had a vision, it was from Shemayim. The guy wasn't crazy. He was a, if he wasn't a Navi, he had Ruch HaKodesh, as the Gemara said in Megillah. So he was shown a vision that completely defies nature, but will be true anyway. Okay. So all we can say is, it will happen. It's a belief of Klal Yisrael, because Hashem told that to the Nevi'im. Right? To the Nevi'im. So what do you want me to say, the Ramah says? I can't explain it. I can only say it will be. And I can even say that it's a cardinal principle of Judaism, because as you and I know, according to the Rambam, it's one of the 13 Ikrim, 13 principles. So we do believe it, but there's nothing we can say about it other than that'll happen. And I can't know how it'll happen until it happens. I know it'll happen, and it could be that the people live a healthier life when they're resurrected, and they'll live longer and longer, hundreds of years, perhaps, when they're resurrected, and it'll be a superior you know, lifestyle than it was before, because after all, what's the point of coming back to live a lousy lifestyle again? But more than that, we cannot say. Masha and Cain, if you talk about Olam Haba, which is part of the Metzius of the world, maybe the average person doesn't see it because they're not intellectually not smart. But if a person is from and a philosopher, a scientist, Alderach HaTorah, then they will see the concept of Olam Haba, if not in its full glory because you can't comprehend it, at least you can see it as something remarkable in the Bria that God created the world in, 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 in the way God set up the world. God set up the world with, with um, a physical world, and he also made a metaphysical world. And he made that part of that metaphysical zone of existence includes 
what, what you and I call Olam Haba. That's not the totality of the metaphysical world, but it is a place where schar will happen. The summum bonum will take place. So the Rambam therefore concludes, don't get on my case because I don't go into whole arichas about Tchisa Mesim, because I don't know, nobody knows exactly how it'll be and what the parameters are. We believe that it will happen. And as I myself, he says, says in Mishnah Torah, whoever is kaifer in Tchisa Mesim, like the Mishnah says, haba. so it's, it's a belief. You get it? But it's not a belief that can be sustained by logic. Um, and it's for this reason that it's not clearly stated in the Chumash and places like that. I happen to be giving this um, talk today during the week of Parsha B'Shal, just coincidentally. And the Rambam, I would say, says in the Geras Chisa Mason, I think this is the part that most people have heard of to the degree they've ever read the Geras Chisa Mason, is the Rambam says that when God gave the Chumash, to the Jewish people, they weren't holding by the level of understanding what I just said. And if they would say there'd be physical resurrection, but it's just as a, as a violation of nature, it'd be too much for the people to handle at that time. Uh, similar to B'Shalach, where it says, V'lo nochem elhim derech eretz plishtim, ki amar elhim pen yiro'am pen merosem mechama b'shob mitzrayma. That when the Jews left Egypt, <coughs> They still had a slave mentality, and they were cowards. And if they would see the Philistines had killed the earlier Jews, then Derech uh, Hesh them, then they would freak out and run back to Egypt. Aye, how, why, why is that so? Why wouldn't the Jews say, the same God who gave us the ten plagues, the same God, you know, who did all these miracles, can certainly beat the Philistines? That's true, but they didn't see it that way. They were still scared. And therefore, rather than Force them. Hashem said, I'll, I'll, I'll deal with them by Sherhu Sham and I'll take them through the desert where little by little they'll lose the slave mentality and they'll be able to enter Israel eventually and fight their way and conquer the land. So Hashem deals with people where they're holding by Sherhu Sham. Obviously, if Hashem wanted to, he could change anybody. He could turn Hitler into a tzaddik if he wanted to. You can make the biggest Russia be righteous and vice versa. I mean, everybody is silly putty in the hands of God. But Hashem, for whatever reason, doesn't operate that way. He takes people as they are. And he, you know, doesn't force people to do things beyond their nature. At least not directly. So similarly, Rambam says, when it comes to Tchiesa Mesim, it was too weird and too wild for people to handle. And he waited until centuries and centuries went by when the Jews were ensconced in Israel and they already had Nevi'im and all the rest of it. And then they were used to, hopefully they were used to monotheism and to God as a kol yachol. And then eventually you could introduce the idea of physical resurrection. Um, the, the This is basically what the Ramam says. The problem is, the fundamental a philosophical problem, which is what do you need it for? Why can't you just die and go straight to heaven, so to speak, to Olam Habo? 
Here, as far as I know, the Rambam does not have a good answer. And this is what led many people to say he himself doesn't really believe it. He's just saying it. And all the rest, because he, he doesn't give a good reason, as far as I know, of why there should be a physical resurrection. He just says, since Klai Yisrael believes it, and it's in the, it's in the Torah and in the Vim, and Daniel and places like that, so therefore it's true. But why that's so is not easy to understand. Why do you have to, you know, see your missing great-grandfather in the flesh? Why can't you die and be in Shemayim and you see all the Neshamas and everything over there and probably see them better than you would see them if you saw their physical bodies down here? Um, which is why, if you read it through, the Rambam says that eventually even those who are resurrected will die again. Meaning in the long, long run, even those who get back to Chiyas won't live forever as Chiyas Now, other Rishonim didn't agree with this. Some of these say they will be immortal. But the Ram says they won't really be immortal. Nobody will be immortal. In the long, long, long run, those people having lived long and productive and happy lives will die, and then they'll get their Olam Habo. So, this is the strange sheet of the Rambam as far as Chiyas Mesim is concerned, even though we say in davening, Mechal Kachayim Mechesed, Mechayim Mesim Rachmi Rabim, and all the rest of it, but really, 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 Mechayim Mesim Rachmi is not that big of a deal. You don't need Chiyas Mesim, you need Olam Haba. You understand? Now, I just presented it, as I, as I understand the Rambam puts it. You can see that writing the way he did kind of left people scratching their heads and not too many people were satisfied with the Rambam's approach and all he's trying to do is make sense out of everything and therefore he either was criticized or people disagreed with him or other Rishonimus will see didn't like his scheme but the Rambam insists that if you want to approach a subject like this you have to get your category straight and, you, and don't confuse them there's Yemosa Mashiach there's Chisa Mesem there's Olam Habo. The Summum Bonum is the Olam Habo. The position why you exactly want Tchiyaz Mesim is not 100% clear. The Rambam himself says it's a nace. Notice it defies the laws of nature. Therefore, not only does it defy the laws of nature in terms of physics, but it also defies the laws of nature in terms of metaphysics. That's um, the very interesting take of the Rambam as I understand it, on the subject of Tchiyas HaMesimah versus Dolom Now, there are certain other aspects to this, but right now I'm wiped out. So let me close this down now. Um, and as always, thank uh, Mishpah Savansky for um, pushing this uh, series. And with that, I wish you all a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidovidkatz.com.